There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. Your new year refocused me, uh, even though it's strange to like fully be back at work, friend. Um, today, I'm joined by Hill Varsity word writer, Derek Peterson, my boy. Derek, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm good. I still have my Christmas tree up. So that tells you kind of the start that I've gotten to my new year, though I did. I was able to spend like six hours last night cleaning, deep cleaning my kitchen. My mother-in-law is coming to town. And so we have to there cannot be dust anywhere because she's like me and she'll notice. Okay, so I I, I feel your pain uh, because I had the same situation before Christmas. My mother-in-law came to visit and we deep cleaned everything. Like I actually, it made me feel really good about where we are to start the new year uh, because it's still very clean um, everywhere in here. So it ended up working out. But we, our Christmas tree never went up. Um, What? (laughs) This year, we didn't put it up. So originally we were not going to be here and then we got really busy and then we're like, oh, well, we looked up and it was like December 10th. And my wife Kim goes, so do you really want to put this up for a handful of days? And we still thought we were going to see our family. Um, we ended up not. And so we did not actually put the Christmas tree up. Uh, we put some decorations out and that was basically it. It seems sad, but it worked for us. Like <laughs> it worked. There, there yeah, was I mean, Christmas I'm not, cheer I'm, around here. I'm not here to judge anyone for doing what works for them um <laughs> but you're gonna judge but, me but i've no i'm not gonna judge i've just never heard of somebody not putting up a christmas tree. it makes sense though why why you wouldn't in this particular situation but it's still still strange it know. felt weird to be honest um and then like over the last couple of days it feels like everyone has been talking about like de-christmasing their house um and all we had to do was like take a little bit of decorations <laughs> from upstairs bring it to the basement um and that was it it's funny what people's timetables are when it comes to like post Christmas stuff coming down. Like there are people that I know that are like the night of Christmas, everything's coming down. There are people that I know who will leave their tree up until like February. Yeah. Same here. Like there's, there's, it's, it's a wide range of things. I typically am okay. Leaving it till like that to new year's about there is about where I want to go ahead and take it down. Um, but I think that everybody wants to get all the joy that they can. So if you want to leave it up, you leave it up. It's more power to you. Yeah. Now, every week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. The first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. I'm already laughing, but I've been looking forward to this because this week it comes courtesy of ESPN broadcaster Kirk Herbstreet, who had this to say. I'm sure you heard it over the weekend. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Quote, what's the difference as a player in saying these games are meaningless, Herbstreet said. Des, we played in meaningless games. I know you guys were here a lot here as in Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. I just don't understand it. 
I just don't understand if you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We compete. So I don't know if it's changing or the expanding or expanding the playoff. I just think that this era of player doesn't love football. Let's break that down. Derek, what does that mean? Um, Simpsons meme, old man yells at cloud. It's veering <laughs> into that territory a little bit. Um, they, like, I think there are a bunch of different ways that we could go and talk about this. And I think we could talk about this for an hour <laughs> because there are like several different branches. Um, Herb Street clearly wants more football, more meaningful football. He clearly enjoys watching football. As an observer who also enjoys watching football, would I have liked to see Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the Rose Bowl? Yes, obviously. Do you want to see some of the best players in games that have that that have um a legacy yes would it have been cool to see kenneth walker kenny Pickett in the peach bowl yeah but then you see matt corral get hurt in the sugar bowl and even if it doesn't have a long-term impact on his nfl career or a short-term even if it doesn't have a short-term impact on his nfl draft status it is still he got hurt in a consolation game. And I think that's what I think that's what we should call it. I don't think we should call it a meaningless football game. I think we should call it a consolation football game. Um ESPN has they had all but one bowl game this postseason. Yep. There was one bowl game, the Sun Bowl between Washington State and Central Michigan that was on CBS. Everything else is on ESPN or an ESPN-owned property. They have a vested interest in those games being as attractive as possible. Therefore, their talking heads have a vested interest in those games being as attractive as possible. Um, but it's just one of those things where I don't think that somebody who played in 1989 to 1992, which is when Kirk was a quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes, can compare his experience in college football in in this particular um, instance to college football today. So I looked up some numbers from when Kirk played. And Des Howard, who made comments on this as well, um, which we can get into, I think he, he said some stupider things, stupider, dumber. Stupider. I'm going to go with stupider because it's fitting um, than Kirk. But so, so they were in college. Des was in college from 1989 to 1991. Kirk until 92. In 1989, there were 18 bowl games. Only one participating team had more than four losses. There were 19 bowl games the next year. In 1991, there were 18 bowl games. 1992, there were 18. In both of those years, there were only three participating teams that had more than four losses. Three in the 18 games. Not counting playoff games this year or the national championship. 
there will be 41 bowl games. <laughs> Not counting Rutgers, which was a replacement team and came in at five and seven. I believe they finished five and eight. Not counting them, there were 40 participating teams in this year's bowl season that had more than four losses entering their bowl game. 40, 4 0. So if you want to talk about what bowl games meant in 1992, that's fine. But you have to acknowledge that what bowl games meant then are, is significantly different from what they mean now for a number of teams. And the employer that you work for has a significant hand in that change. And, and just the other thing that I will say, nobody cares about an opt-out in the Hawaii Bowl. Kirk Herbstreit doesn't care about an opt-out in the Sun Bowl or the, uh, the, the Cheez-It Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl. He doesn't care about that. The only reason we're talking about this is because a couple of Ohio State players decided to sit out the Rose Bowl. That's the only reason he was talking about it. Let's, let's make no mention of the fact that Devin Lloyd for Utah, who's probably going to be a top 10 selection in the draft, the 22 draft, this next draft played that Rose Bowl game because he said he wanted to. The biggest problem with Kirk's comments was that he painted with too broad a brush, which I feel like tends to be the issue with those national talking heads a lot. And I think part of that is ESPN just puts them in positions where they are more vulnerable to saying dumb stuff. But like, you know, Kirk's thing was just dumb. Desmond Howard's comments were, were um, frustrating, very frustrating. Yeah, and I think that there is there is something to be said too, and I'm glad you kind of went there with the with the breakdown of how many bowl games there were then versus now, and kind of the changing calculus on what these bowl games actually mean, because I do think that there's something here of there's a particular I don't want to say I don't want to I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but it feels like there is a particular like age group of talking head and sports writer that holds on to the the way that these bowl games used to have such great importance or what they used to mean to the collective sport and it is ironic in a lot of ways that ESPN Kirk Herbstreit's employer has had such a huge hand and if you want to say I don't want to say making bowls meaningless because I don't necessarily know what they are like at least devaluing what the bowl games used to mean like I think that that's kind of hard to argue at this point that the, that bowl games are devalued um, and they just mean a lot different things to different people like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were not going to like they, they didn't have as much to gain from a big performance in that Rose Bowl or even performing at all in that Rose Bowl as they maybe would have previously also, as I even think about that point about guys like Olave and Garrett Wilson, is that they also don't need that game anymore for exposure, right? It used to be that, the, that if you saw Ohio State in that Rose Bowl, that maybe was your first opportunity to see those guys 
um, if you were in another part of the country, right? Because you're going to see it's a nationally televised ABC game. And it's kind of the same way I feel about the Heisman. That's part of the reason why I think the Heisman has lost a little bit of mystique because you see these guys all year long. And so it's the same principle where I don't think that the because the exposure is so great, those guys don't need that stage anymore to announce themselves when we saw both of them destroy, say, Indiana on ESPN or ABC or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, it happened already. We saw them on an actually televised game multiple times because they play at Ohio State. And so I, I think that the generalization about like today's player and how they don't love football as much is something that tends to now come up a lot and it comes up all over the place and I think it it comes up subtly and it comes up not so subtly not so subtly in this case with Kirk Herbstreit and his comments but if you think about it it comes up here locally when Scott Frost says at at a press conference we need to find guys that love football while yes that's obviously true he says it so much that it feels like he's kind of it's saying by not saying that guys in this generation, it's harder to find the ones that do love football, right? Like it comes up all the time. And so I do think that that's a generalization, but then at the same time, like you mentioned the kid from Utah that played, like he played Mackerel played and had also the thing about um, him is that he made his statement before the game about how he just had to play in that game and he couldn't let his teammates down and he, you know, blood, sweat and tears with all of them. And I remember I, the only reason I know that is because I saw it plastered all over the place. The SEC network picked it up. ESPN picked it up. It was all over the place. Then the kid gets hurt and it was oh it's not going to affect his draft stock quarterbacks still get drafted in the first round and i'm just like it immediately went to ex- excuse making that's what i heard that all over that was the, the thing that was I, said oh, i read that all over the place um all over the place <laughs> are we working on like five straight drafts where a quarterback has gone number one overall yeah and so like and, and so I'm just like I don't understand that logic of how you're going to say that it didn't it's not going to affect him because guys bounce back and they're like well Joe Burrow came back from a knee injury and I'm just like you just never know just because someone else came back from it doesn't mean that Matt wants to be in the position where he's going to have to do this like that doesn't make any sense like um it, and so it's just interesting just seeing all of this unfold and it and it's almost to me become this like interesting generational argument in a lot of ways as we kind of move through this. Yeah. I think one of the things that, um, that is most frustrating for me is that like specifically with Matt Corral's comments, it becomes this, um, this either or thing where you hear a guy like Matt Corral say, well, I just wanted to, I I wanted to be out there for my teammates. I couldn't picture myself not playing in this game. Devin Lloyd said something similar leading up to the Rose bowl. And it becomes this thing where it's like them saying that reflects poorly on the guys who didn't say that, who made the opposite decision when it does, when that doesn't necessarily need to be the case, it, it doesn't need to be an either or thing but we've kind of twisted it into this thing where Matt Corral saying, I need to be out there for my teammates means that Garrett Wilson opting out says that he doesn't care about his teammates. That's not, it's not, that's not true. That's not the way that this works. Um, I think there's also another issue at play where like, I just think some of the, the old folks in, in college football media 
they just don't have a firm grasp of like of everything that goes into playing college football right now. Like Kirk and Desmond Howard talking about, well, back in my day, back in my, yeah, 20 years ago, you didn't play this many games. School probably wasn't as tough for you then as it is now for a lot of these guys. Um, with, with the COVID year, you have to factor in that a lot of these guys are working on master's degrees right now. That's an element of it. And then there's just all of this other stuff that is on a college athlete's plate right now, specifically high profile football players with NIL. And you can roll your eyes at NIL and say, Oh, well, you know, I don't like it or it shouldn't be the way that it is, or players shouldn't be focused on that in season, but they are, they are. It's It's just the fact of the matter. It's a changing of the, like a resistance to changing with the times. Right. And, and, and it's so wild to see this unfold because, and, and as you're saying like, oh yeah, well back in my day with Herb Street and Des, like, man, that may have been, may as well have been a hundred years ago. It wasn't, um, but it may have well been considering how different college athletics are right now. And then honestly, if you fast forward another 20 years, how much more different it's going to be, right? Like, I think that it's, it's also the resistance to, players having more agency over what they do because the people that also it seems like the people that don't like the bowl opt-outs don't like nil don't like transfers all of the stuff all the all the new stuff that's in the bucket to help players right and to help them have more agency and be able to have more control over their futures it are things that it feels like people are really really resistant to and there is a a weird contrast with how then Lincoln Riley is on set and those guys could not have fallen over themselves more to basically make excuses for him and what he did to Oklahoma. Like, and so it's just been, it's this weird catch 22 and we're in a time now where I, I noticed that during the show, but there are current college football players that were saying that on social media, right? Like we're also in this time where people can now get their voice and opinion out there. Um, and, and so, you know, that guys are feeling some type of way about this and they see what they feel. And I agree is hypocrisy in the situation. Yeah. I, that, that's like, that's, that's a, I completely agree with you. That's a wonderful point. And I, I, I it does seem like, um, I don't know if it's, jealousy on the part of guys that didn't get to former players that didn't get to experience this or didn't get to have this same kind of magnitude of voice Mm -hmm. or, or what it is, but like, it does seem like as a player's agency over his future, his image grows the old folks in the profession just get more annoyed. Um, yeah, I mean, I just also think, I think that there's a, a real tight holding on to uh, of like, um, like that of the idea that college football is supposed to be more pure though. We have <laughs> like, 
so many examples of why it never has been. Like, I mean, we're not making, you know, 30 for 30s and watching them and enjoying them about teams that were so pure and like boring, right? Like we're watching 30 for 30s on Miami and the Pony Express and all of that stuff, right? USC and those sorts of things. Like we're not, like, it's just so interesting that in Oklahoma, like we just have all of these different examples of the sport never was quite as pure as people want to make it out to be yet they're still holding on to this ideal or really is it that it's not like out there in the open like I just don't I can never quite put my finger on what that ideal is that it seems like people are really holding on to about kind of the purity of college football because you hear it from fans sometimes too when they say like the reason I like college football more than the NFL is because it's just about it's the love of the game comes up a lot more in college basketball, it feels like, but it comes up in college football as well. And I can never quite understand when exactly that time was because pre-Des and Herb Street times, if you think about, say, like Eric Dickerson, right, for, for some reason just rolled into my mind, like he didn't get there to SMU by like the love of the game. Like it's just always interesting to me how that plays out. Yeah, the, the other piece, there was something that didn't sit right with me with – Herb Street being the one to make those comments Saturday morning and then getting to enjoy the Rose Bowl that played out. Because the other piece of this is if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave play in the Rose Bowl, Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't do what he did. That was probably, that was probably, it's not USC Texas at the Rose Bowl, but that was probably one of, the most enjoyable college football games I have ever watched. It's probably one of like the best Rose Bowls that's been played. And that performance from Jackson Smith and Jigba was probably one of the best by wide receiver in the history of college football's postseason. Like, is that not what this is supposed to be about? Like (laughs) next man up, take advantage of your opportunity. Isn't that what this is like supposed to be? Isn't that what like, Old heads like Kirk Herbstreet are championing? Is guys be. going out and doing that? It should be because I actually think that, that that's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to make sure to say that and I forgot. Is that I actually, that's the part of this that I actually really enjoy. Like I actually think got like a guy like Kenneth Walker not playing in this game gives up playing in his bowl game gives an opportunity to someone else to shine or get a jump start on their development um, for the next season because you're going to need that guy going forward I, it introduces the next group of stars right yeah. and so and so I just don't like to me and maybe it's just my outlook on this whole thing is to either a find the silver lining or B, it doesn't really rile me up to the point of being angry that guys are opting out. And I'm not going to say that they're less teammates um, or they love football any less because of this. Because, oh, by the way, if they didn't love football, they wouldn't be opting out to get ready to play more football. Like, because that's what they're doing. <laughs> like, they're opting out so they can get ready to prepare for the NFL draft to oh, then go play professional football. Um, so it, it's just a, a whole strange thing. Um, but it's not going away. Like, this conversation will continue to go, um, I think, as, as the years go on and more guys opt out. Well, yeah, if we keep adding ridiculous bowl games like the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl that's only going to be streamed on Barstool's website, people don't want to play in that game. Right. Nobody wants to play in that game. That's why Central Michigan left that game at the first opportunity. Um, 
this was a really good line from Ralph Russo's piece for the AP. I wrote, I wrote some notes down. This was uh, Russo's writing. It was a tone deaf statement from Kirk Herbstreit insisting a new generation holds the same sentimentality for just traditions that he has, even though those traditions have been watered down for years by the adults who run college football. And I'm sorry to keep going back to the Rose Bowl, but it's just, you know, that's what Herb Street was talking about. It's where it was. And it also with Utah being in it, it was the perfect kind of juxtaposition of situation. Utah was playing in its first ever Rose Bowl. Never been there before. All week leading up, the talk was about how this was a culmination of years and years of, of hard work on the part of Utah and the part of head coach Kyle Whittingham. They were in the Mountain West Conference a decade ago. Now they're in the Rose Bowl and they played freaking Ohio State right down to the wire. Um, they wanted to be there because they won the Pac-12. There was really no realistic shot at all at any point in the season for them to make it into the college football playoff. They started one and two. On the other side, you have Ohio State, who up until November 27th thought, yeah, we're going to the college football playoff. And then they lose to Michigan, and now suddenly – they're, they're completely out of it. The season-long goal that they had, their goal wasn't to play in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> right. Like that team's goal was not to play in the Rose Bowl. So now you lose to Michigan, and all of a sudden you're, you're in the Rose Bowl. You're not in the college football playoff, even though that team felt like it had a championship team and it had title aspirations, and they're not there. Now add in season-long programming that the college football playoff is all that matters. How many college football playoff ads did we get during bowl games leading up to the playoff semifinals? They were nonstop. They were incessant. We're constantly talking about the playoff. And even in the postseason, we're constantly talking about the playoff. And at ends of bowl games, instead of talking about what's happening, we're talking about the players that are on the field or what's coming next for the teams that are playing. We're talking about how Georgia's defense can slow down uh, Michigan or how Georgia compares to Alabama. That's the problem. So you cannot spend all year long talking about how well, how's this team going to get to the playoff? Well, how does this impact the playoff? Well, how does that impact the playoff? And then when you reach the non-playoff games, say, why does nobody care about this? <laughs> That's not how it works. It's also, I wrote this down in my notes too, it's also worth pointing out that 20 years ago when Kirk Herbstreit was playing, a former quarterback whose best season was tossing four touchdowns against six interceptions wouldn't be making six, uh, $2 million a year to commentate on football. Um, football is a cash cow for everyone, but the players. Now, to be clear, I think Kirk Herbstreet is pretty good at what he does. But my question to Herbstreet and then Desmond Howard would be this. Would you be willing to do your job for free with zero protections from your employer? And if you weren't willing to do that, would it be fair to criticize your commitment to that employer or to that job? Now, I know it's not a perfect example because there is really like no perfect facsimile for college football. Um, it's a game that you have to love first and foremost to put up with everything that is required of playing. Like AJ Forbes on Twitter put this really well. Football weeds out the players that don't love it in the offseason. If you get to the season 
in college football at the FBS level. I'm not just talking about like Big Ten SEC level. I'm just talking about FBS, plain and simple. If you're playing Division I FBS football, you care about football. To suggest that someone like Garrett Wilson or Kenneth Murray or Kenny Pickett doesn't love football because they've opted out of, again, a consolation game is just beyond absurd to me. And I'd be curious to see if you go through and look at, look at opt-outs, how many of the guys that are actually opting out of bowl games end up being first or second round draft picks? How many opt-outs do we get for guys that go on to become seventh round selections? Right. Or sixth round selections. Like we're talking about the top end of the draft where if you fall from the first round to like the third or the fourth round, there's a, there's a sizable difference in what that contract is going to look like when you first sign it. Yeah, there absolutely is. Um, and one of the things, and, and you hit on it a little bit. Um, and I, so I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I wanted to make sure to ask you is that related to all of that, and in, in knowing that we've seen like just nonstop barrage of playoff advertisements and talks and shows, like are the bowl games meaningless? Like, do you think, do you think that they're meaningless? Have you enjoyed them on the whole so far? Those are two different questions with two different answers. Yes. I think bowl games are meaningless. Yes. I have enjoyed them as an, as a observer, as a viewer, as somebody that just wants to watch college football, mm-hmm. I enjoy bowl season. I enjoy being able to wake up on December 26th and have a bowl game at 11 a.m. and then watch football throughout the rest of the day and then go to sleep, wake up the next morning and do the same thing over again. I enjoy that. That being said, we don't need a Duke's Mayo Bowl. Hey, don't, we don't, don't, need, don't we pick it on the Mayo Bowl? We don't need that bowl game. But, but my point is, what is, what's the point of that bowl game? The point of that bowl game is for ESPN to advertise uh, Shane Beamer getting mayonnaise dumped on his head. That's the point of the bowl game. Which is what I remember about that game. Like uh, the only reason I remember that they won that is because I can picture the video of him getting mayo dumped on his head. Let me, if, about it. if teams weren't given an extra 15 practices for competing in a bowl game, let's say they got three the week of let's say your regular season ends, you get a couple weeks off and then you get to go to the site of a bowl game, practice a couple times and then play again. How many teams would participate in bowl games? Oh, I think you'd have a, you'd have a lot more team opt-outs um, in that case, because then like, you might as well just go get started, like go get some rest, get started on your summer, your winter conditioning and just get it going that way. When teams talk about, how important a bowl game is to them. Do they talk about how much they want to win the Nashville music city bowl trophy, or do they talk about how much they want those 15 practices? Oh, it's all about the practices. We hear about that a lot, right? It's not about the game. It's about the practices leading up to it. If you offered teams 15 practices at the end of their season, between the start of December and the end of the year, the calendar year, and said, you can take these, but you don't have to play in a bowl game. I bet 90% of teams would take those practices and not play in the game so that they could send their kids home for Christmas. Yeah. And unless, wonder- unless it was like the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, like the games that have traditional power legacies, yeah. teams want to play in those games because you grew up watching those games and you know about those games. But some of these other games, they are 
meaningless. So they would want to, but do you, the key question though, is do you still get the bowl gifts? Because like the Fiesta Bowl, they got PS5s, right? Did they? I think so. That's the one that's sponsored by PlayStation because that was one of the other <laughs> things that was hilarious about all of this is Herb Street ranting and raving about the how like we've lost tradition and you know the old school stuff and I miss that blah blah blah. Kids don't love football, but let me cut to this commercial for the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Um, oh, because he also said like so. So I forget was it Herb Street that also said the comment about video games. Um, I am. one of them said like it all runs together um and so then we cut to the commercial for the playstation fiesta bowl uh but the bowl game gifts um are important in this too but i do think that if you just took the 15 practices and let them have i I definitely think that 90 percent of college football teams would just elect to have the practices and not do the bowl game right except for you know the handful of you know the the rose the fiesta the orange and that 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 on its own means that the rest of them are meaningless. Yeah. That the rest of them and and I don't, you know, I keep saying meaningless. I'll call them consolation games because, like, it's still game reps. Jackson Smith and Jigbo probably doesn't think that the Rose Bowl is meaningless. You know, some of the teams that played earlier in the bowl cycle probably don't think that that their games are meaningless, but like. That, I, th- I think that's just what it is. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Except for the fact, one of the other things that keeps this like struggle going is how much power and influences like bowl games and bowl partners have in college football. Like you think about that, all the talk about expanding the college football playoff or even doing it in the first place. And remember one of the big concerns was, is what is this going to do to bowl games? Like the bowl games don't want this to happen. There's also a reluctance and I understand why they want their money is that bowl games needing to be reconfigured or restructured or some type of change to that system is going to be met kicking and screaming by the actual bowl partners, which have an outsized amount of power in college football because of the way things used to be. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, now every week we end the show with a topic that was our favorite topic. And Derek made an appearance on the best of, you should go check that out. It was last week's episode where he put old age um, on blast. And every week we end the show with our favorite segment called put them on blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said, put them on blast. Uh, This week, I'm going to go first. um, And I think that this is maybe the first time that technically four different people or entities that are all related need to go on blast. I'm I'm putting Antonio Brown, the Bucks organization, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady all on blast um, this week. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the video by this point. I'll link it in the show notes if, if you have not of Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't there for a lot. There's no other way to say it. He quit um, during the game um, yesterday. We recorded this on Monday, yesterday, Sunday uh, that the Bucks had. And they coincidentally came back and won with another classic Tom Brady uh, moment. But he quit 
during the game. Uh, there's all sorts of memes out there now um, because of the way that he left the field. There were posts from him on social media um, after the game waiting for a cab. There was a post from the Uber driver um, with him in the in the Uber. Uh, um, th there were reports that Antonio Brown had to get his own flight home because that's what tends to happen when you uh, quit on your team in the middle of a game. Um, the team cut him like basically during the game because when Bruce Arians was asked about it after the game, he said that he didn't want to talk about Antonio Brown because um, he's no longer with the team. Tom Brady, for his part of it, um, said that, you know, we don't know the things going on with Antonio, which may or may not be true. But the reason that all of them have to go on blast, A, obviously Antonio has to go on blast for this ridiculous behavior. You can't do that. Who does that? But the rest of them have to go on blast because they knew what this guy was when they signed him. When you brought him in, you knew what Antonio Brown was. He was drama. And really, even more so than that, like he's been accused of sexual assault. He's had all sorts of things, like problems with women in his life. Um, he's been a bad teammate other places. Like this whole thing, that, like I don't want to say this exactly was the inevitable end of this um, because who like can foresee somebody just quitting in the middle of the game, ripping their Jersey off and then running off the field. Um, you never see that. Um, but some sort of weird end was the inevitable end to this saga. Um, and so for all of that, everyone associated with the Bucks organization, um, including Bruce Arians who made like, gave him a pass multiple times for things he did while in Tampa, including that fake vaccination card situation. All of you have to go on blast. So did you see Ian Rappaport's, I think it was report from this morning? I did not see that. So I'm curious if this changes your perspective at all. Uh-oh. He reported, I think on whatever the NFL Network's Good Morning Show is, um, that Bruce Arians and the offensive coaching staff for the Bucks asked Antonio Brown to go into the game and Antonio Brown, who did not practice on Thursday or Friday per Rappaport for an ankle injury, did not feel like he was healthy enough to play and said, I'm not healthy enough to play. And Arians said, if you're not going to go into the game, when we tell you to go into the game, then you need to leave the field. And according to Rappaport, because Antonio Brown said he did not feel that he was healthy enough to play. Arians told him on the field during the game that he was cut and that he was not going to be part of the team moving forward and basically kicked him off the field. Now that's just what Rappaport reported. And there's a bunch of people that are like, I mean, AB looked like, his ankle was fine when he was jogging off the field and, you know, yeah. going through the end zone and, and things like that to which I would say I was able to run on a torn ACL. Um, so like sometimes that stuff happens. Now he is a drama queen and everything you just said holds up. Yeah. He, he is, is not like he's, he doesn't seem to be a good person. Right. I think that that's, that's a good point. Yes. <laughs> but if like variance <laughs> was like, Hey man, I don't care what you think about your body. If you're not going to play, then you can get off the field. It's not a, you got a good look. You no. probably could have handled that a little bit better. That wouldn't have been so drama inducing. Yeah. I would, I would say that that would, it, it would change. It actually would make me think worse of Bruce Arians 
I guess, like, I, I still would not have con- obviously condone Antonio Brown doing that because uh, he could have just left the field. He didn't have to leave like that. Um, but boy, I, I'll be interested to see how that unfolds because and if you can get more confirmation on that, um, because I'm not even sure, you know, a lot of times when you get these reports, um, I, my very first thought is always like when you're trying to figure out where they come from, like who benefits from that? And I like who benefits from that report being out there in that way. And I guess it's, it's AB, it's Antonio Brown, but it's a bad look for everyone. I still think it would be a really bad look for everyone, even if that is correct. Um, it, but it has a layer of weird to the story. Derek, who are you putting on blast? Desmond Howard. <laughs> um, I know we spent the entire podcast talking about this, but I wanted to, to touch on Des and, and we didn't get there. So I'm going to do it now. Um, this this was his full comment after Kirk Herbstreit. He said, I agreed with with he said he agreed with Kirk and that he was going to bring up the not loving football thing. Quote, we're dealing with a totally different mentality when we're dealing with student athletes nowadays. Their whole mentality right now is about the championship, the playoff. We've got to get into the CFP. And because of that, they don't value the bowl games. Now, when we were coming up, Herb Street and myself, to go to a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season. That's what it meant okay, your team played this well, so you're going to be rewarded by going to this bowl game. You're going to get a ring. You're going to get swag. Now, kids don't really care about that. They have a sense of entitlement, and it's like, if we're not going to the one that matters, then it just doesn't have as much value to them as it did to us growing up. So I already pointed out the the, the drastic difference in how many bowls and the kind of team that makes a bowl game. So that, that's a piece of it. Um, Desmond Howard's comments are far more ridiculous than Kirk Herbstreet's comments were, in my opinion. And he seems to be skirting criticism. Like, oh, I haven't seen a ton of, of backlash to what Desmond Howard said, which probably goes to show that the vast majority of people just expect Desmond Howard to say stupid shit. <laughs> um, a player is entitled in Desmond Howard's view, because he doesn't care about a bull game swag bag. A player is entitled in Desmond Howard's view because they don't hold the same value judgments as Desmond Howard. So here's, here's an interesting little nugget. The average NFL salary in 1991, according to an article from the Baltimore sun on December 27th of that year was $422,000. The average NFL salary today $2 million. That is life-changing money for people who are at college to play football and have a shot at making that money in the first place. Just because they are interested in turning football into a career doesn't mean they're any less in love with football. If there wasn't as much money to be made in football as there is, do you think that parents, knowing what they know now about head injuries, other bodily injuries, everything that comes into play with football, would let their kids sign up to play it? It's a risk assessment that in a, a large percentage of the football playing population, families make because of the potential payoff. Part of this is economic. And so... Herb Street and Dez's generation, they didn't have the same data on injury risk available to them that we do now. 
football wasn't the cash cow that it is now, of course, motivations have changed because literally everything else about football has changed from when they played to now. Like your comment about how, you know, 20 years from now, it's going to look 180 degrees different even then. For Desmond Howard to call kids entitled because they are not playing in a game that he wants to watch them play and instead focusing on potentially making a little bit more money or saving themselves from an injury so that they can make more money in the long run for their families is ridiculous. He says some dumb stuff on ESPN sets, but this one just really bothered me. I don't, you know, Kirk's is whatever, but to call kids entitled for saying, I don't want to play in this one bowl game after how many games did Garrett Wilson play for Ohio State? Like, it's got to be approaching 30. Yeah, that's being that, right? Is absurd. And so for that, Desmond Howard has to go on blast. And he again, because it hasn't been the first time. Yeah, again. Um, and he absolutely deserves it uh, because you are correct in everything you said. Um, it's just uh, – I do think that the burying of heads in the sand by people like Des and Kirk, Herbstreit, and others about the role that – like ESPN and, and kind of in other entities too, play in minimizing these other bowl games and saying that they only want, and it's also weird to say that they're entitled because they don't care about swag and they're entitled because they only care about championships is also just a weird statement. If you really just think about that, that they, they care about championships like that as if that was a bad thing. Um, but it's only a bad thing because you want to see them in these other games. Like That's also a creation of, <laughs> of our doing in the media. Right. Because we evaluate people based off of how many championships they won. We evaluate people based off of how many games that they won. So part of that is ESPN's fault too. <laughs> it is. Um, it is. It's just, it's a wild like ride to really take yourself on and really think about like how we got here and why. And then I'm, I have I promised because I didn't see it live, but I would almost bet that after that segment aired, there was a, a playoff like some sort of playoff commercial or reference to it or the championship game um, in that commercial set, because there just has to be, because we saw them all over the place. It's just, it's just interesting to see that, like just that part of it being ignored over and over again. Yeah. hundred percent. But hey, that, that's going to do it for us today. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us, review us, leave us a five-star review. If, you're, if you leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that even in the new year. You want to start off fresh not being a hater. Make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Prep Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'll be back on there um, this week with Steve Mark talking about um, recruiting question of the week. You can also get after us on Twitter at GregSmithHB, at DrPDHB. You can also email the show at straightupbreakdown at hillvarsity.com. I will catch you all next week. A Huda Media Production.